Hi, I'm Tim Penketh, founder and CEO of thefutureeconomy.ca. Welcome to our podcast. Join me in conversation with the Canadian business leaders, policymakers, entrepreneurs, academics, and more who are shaping Canada's future economy. We'll explore their vision for Canada's future and what we need to do now to get there. Today, I'm joined by Sasha Christich, president of MasterGuard Canada, to speak about the future of financial services. I asked her about open banking, the relationship between fintechs and large incumbents, cybersecurity and finance, the forces shaping crypto, decentralized finance and Web3 in Canada, and much more. I also asked her for her calls to action on what needs to be done now and by who for Canada to lead in those crucial spaces. Enjoy the discussion. Hello, I'm Sasha Kristic, president of MasterCard Canada. Well, Sasha, thank you so much for joining me today and for taking the time to to speak with us. Um, We're going to be speaking about uh, the present, the future of the financial services sector in Canada. I'm really looking forward to getting your opinions on what's shaping it, what we could be, and also, most importantly, what we need to do to get there. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Tim. I'm excited to be talking to you today. Awesome. So first, I want to start general in terms of seeing how you would describe the current state of Canada's financial services sector and, uh, importantly, its ability to innovate and compete globally. Great question. So I would start with, you know, as you mentioned, where are we right now? Canada's financial systems is recognized as one of the strongest in the world, Tim. Uh, We've been a leader in many payments innovations for the past number of decades. If you think about CHIP, EMV, contactless, and increasingly digital and e-commerce. But we are seeing a shift. I would say we're sort of at a transformation in the financial services and technology sector. And that shift is being driven by changing consumer and business demands, fueled by technology, and of course, most recently, uh, COVID as well. Uh, And I would say that we're definitely seeing that this um, foundation of this transformation is due to two things. One, we're living in an on-demand society. And so both consumers and businesses want faster payments, want faster services, including payments. And secondly, an increasing demand for choice. Both consumers and businesses want to be the ones who choose how they get paid, when they get paid. Uh, And so underlying, I think, a lot of the transformation, not only in the digital space, but really with respect to faster payments and this real-time rail that is being built for for Canada, a national payment system to enable faster, data-rich payments uh, 24-7, 365 days a year. Uh, And I think that will definitely help both consumers consumers and businesses meet their needs of more choice, Um, and on-demand payments. And we're very pleased from a MasterCard perspective, of course, to be partnering with Payments Canada to build an important part of that infrastructure. Well, you you mentioned that real-time rail uh, payment system. That's, of course, what underlies uh, open banking as one of the core tenets of it. Um, How would you describe open banking in general? Because it's been spoken about so much that I think it's it's become a Mm -hmm. catch-all term. So how do you characterize it uh, and also, how do you characterize or describe its importance for Canada's, uh, the, the future of Canada's uh, financial ecosystem? Sure, so you're right to ask, what is the definition of open banking? Because I do think uh, it's relatively broad, depending on who you ask. The way I would answer that question is, it is a technology-enabled process where both consumers and businesses have a choice in sharing financial data with authorized secured part- third parties in a secure manner. 
So a couple of themes to pull out there because it shifts the center of control. So open banking is around choice for consumers and businesses. It's around sharing financial data with authorized third parties, and it's around doing it in a very secure manner. Um, and with that, we think that creates a whole number of opportunities for new use cases and most importantly, new partnership that again, puts consumers and businesses at the center of determining how financial data is used uh, and empowering with them with control. And so as an example, think about all of the paperwork that is involved in proving your eligibility for credit, whether that is for a card, a mortgage, a loan, all the documents you need to gather from various sources to present to who has ever given you that credit tool, historically a bank. Now imagine if you could provide all of that information, your recent financial history, um, at the click of a button. And so that's an example of what open banking brings from a consumer perspective. Convenience, choice, more customized financial services, uh, and a more holistic view um, of competitive pricing. And where are we now in terms of rolling that out and having those capabilities uh, available to us? I think from a Canada perspective, I would say we're at the very beginning. I think there is a broad recognition uh, that open banking is a valuable tool for consumers and businesses. I think you definitely see an increasing number of players in the ecosystem uh, stepping forward to find their space in open banking. So traditional financial institutions, banks, uh, increasingly fintechs. Uh, are being part of those, uh, an increasing number of those third-party providers that have are looking at data differently. Players like MasterCard that have global tools and assets to help facilitate not only the movement of money, but the movement of data in a safe and secure way. And then, of course, government looking at what is the best way to do this uh, in a way that provides some guardrails to what is effectively creating new business models and new interaction models in the ecosystem that should ultimately benefit uh, Canadian consumers and businesses. So long answer, the short answer to your story is, to your question is, I think we're at the beginning of this journey um, and there's still a ways to go. So if you look then at, uh, I don't know, a year, two years, three years out, can you identify key roles for each of the main stakeholder groups that have to be involved in this project and its rollout and its implementation? And of course, education about it uh, so that we really do this properly and get the most benefit out of uh, what this system represents for us? Yeah, to a degree, I would say where we would want to be in a year to two years is invisible with respect to what consumers and businesses are seeing from the sense of they should be able to perform financial transactions, access to credit payments in a way that is easier and simpler for them. Uh, behind the scenes, what I think that happens is you will see government putting some, as I said, guardrails. If we look around the world, we've seen government take varying uh, perspectives from some highly regulated, some not regulated at all, somewhere in the middle where there's what I, as I, as I use the word guardrails to help keep um, a certain level of quality, transparency, safety and security. I think that's the approach we're seeing in Canada. Where I think the big shift will be is will traditional financial institutions and fintechs find ways to work together for the benefit of Canadian consumers and businesses. And what I think is really you know, interesting uh, from my experience is when I was in Sweden, um, the very beginning of this journey was first time I presented at a financial services payments conference, there was a big 
uh, I would say, space between traditional financial institutions and fintechs. They were very much focused on competition and outdoing one another. The next year at the very same conference, the conversation was much more around how do we work together? Uh, and the reason that that's important is because the core skills of a financial institution, the core skills of a fintech are fundamentally different. And so if you, I think if you think about how they compete versus how they connect, connection is where we're going to see consumers and businesses being put at the center of the value equation. And when we put them at the center, I think we can work together differently. Uh, and so from a MasterCard perspective, what that also means is being able to leverage and being able to have ecosystem participants recognize that we have skills, expertise far beyond where you might traditionally think of us in the credit card space. We have access to data. We have access to insights. We have access to open banking technologies that we have either purchased or built that are all focused on how do we work together as a series of technology players to help consumers and businesses have the most choice and the best choice in a safe and secure way to pay and get paid. Well, from that perspective, then, as a, a big established uh, company within the financial services space, how would you like to see your relationship with fintechs uh, in Canada uh, originate and evolve uh, throughout the open banking project? How are you looking to form those, uh, those collaborations and what are you focusing on in that respect? So as a traditional network in the payment space, we generally sit in the middle um, of the ecosystem and we are a bridger. We are a bridge between uh, consumers and merchants. We are a bridge between increasingly financial institutions and fintechs. And so what you will see us doing is building those connections because we think that the secret to, not it's actually not a secret, we think that the key factor for success in helping Canada, helping Canadian consumers and businesses uh, work more efficiently, make payments more efficiently, is around building new partnerships. And so what we see with open banking specifically is uh, it will fuel access, it will fuel competition, it will fuel innovation, and it will ultimately fuel choice. And so our belief and where we see MasterCard uh, playing a big role is maintaining and adding value with our traditional financial institutions, but increasingly partnering with fintechs that are coming up with really interesting use cases, that are coming up with really um, innovative customer experience models to help build the bridge and build the connectivity so that, again, uh, the end goal very clearly, very specifically, is that Canadian consumers and businesses can have better choice in being paid how and when they want to be paid. That's awesome. Well, let's dive into to fintech in, in general. Uh, and I'm not speaking here about open banking related fintech, but the space in general. Sure. How would you describe the, the general fintech ecosystem and innovation within it in Canada? And what are the trends or the forces that you see having the biggest impact on the future of fintech in Canada? So I think fintechs are playing a really important role in helping challenge how we traditionally have seen or executed um, consumer and business payments, if I think about it through that lens. And, and what I mean by that is uh, they, fintechs have two very interesting perspectives. They don't have the legacy that many financial institutions have. And so because of that, uh, they can create consumer experiences. They can create uh, innovative um, interaction models uh, that maybe is harder for some financial institutions to create. 
The, de- the opposite side of that is what they don't have is necessarily the depth in security um, and the depth in trust that financial institutions would historically have. And so I think the opportunity is for fintech and financial institutions with MasterCard, again, as that bridge factor, is to figure out how do we pull all of these together? Very strong legacy of trust, uh, really innovative consumer experiences in a way that when put together, um, they can build, again, better opportunities for consumers and for Canadian society. I think that will only happen when we can build a level of partnership and finding ways of working together. I think we've seen the evolution of there's been, as I referenced before, a bit of hesitation in terms of uh, traditional Um, whether financial institutions, even to a degree MasterCard, figuring out ways to work with these new players. Uh, We can look at them as threats or we can look at them as really innovative thinkers that have new ways of focusing on a very specific segment or use case. And if we can put these pieces of the puzzle together in a different way, I think we can see how that benefits um, consumers and businesses moving forward. And so we see what I think is really interesting about fintechs is we see them playing in narrow but well-defined aspects of the payments ecosystem, whether to our previous conversation that's around open banking, around artificial intelligence, around identity solution. They have the ability to focus on a niche. And when we can take that niche and pair it with um, broad um, ecosystem uh, sort of infrastructure, then I think that's where we see Uh, really strong innovation and helpful innovation happen. Focusing, I think it's about shifting, ultimately it's about shifting the conversation from competition to partnership and innovation. Well, I'm wondering then if you have any ideas on how we could, in Canada, how we could accelerate, one, the awareness of the different players who are out there in the ecosystem and what each of them could bring to the table. And then two, getting them uh, collaborating with each other to create uh, those partnerships that you, that you mentioned have to be formed uh, for us to, to best innovate in this space. How can we jumpstart that collaboration? It's a really important question. And I think it starts with relationships and open conversations. As I said, you know, one of the strengths of Canada's financial services system historically is that it has been relatively consolidated, which means that um, we've been able to move on an ecosystem level when we talk about things like, as I mentioned, chip and pin, contactless, digital, we can move things forward relatively quickly. The downside of that is when there are new players or when there are new perspectives, sometimes it's a little bit harder to uh, find an openness to doing things differently, to find an openness to partnerships. So I think the first thing is one, being uh, willing to be have to be open to have those conversations. And two is creating the forum for those conversations so that um, we can bring together those different perspectives. So from a MasterCard perspective, we've been very focused on uh, not only maintaining and building strong connections with our traditional financial institution partners, but also increasingly partnering with fintechs to be able to understand what it is that they're trying to achieve. How can we help build some of that connectivity? How can they help us advance some of our goals? Um, and then ultimately, I think the next, the, th- the third step in that process is making sure that government is understanding and appreciative of the changing players in the ecosystem so that when we build regulation, when we build um, guardrails, there's an appreciation for the ecosystem is changing. And so we need to find a space 
for our traditional players as well as for new players to be able to work together, um, again, in a way that brings these new ideas and these new innovations to life as opposed to just making them great ideas but not being able to execute on them. Well, you just mentioned government and policy and regulation. Obviously, that's a super important ingredient when we're speaking about innovation and the ability to innovate uh, safely uh, in, in the fintech ecosystem. How do you think we're doing in Canada on the policy and regulation side uh, in terms of allowing enough innovation so that we can lead and progress and create world-changing uh, technologies or solutions? but also still maintaining the, the, the security or the guardrails, as you mentioned before, uh, needed to make sure that uh, Canadians and the customers we, these companies serve are safe? It's an incredibly important question and, and not an easy one, because I would say right now um, we have a foot in two very important camps. One, to your point, is the importance of having guardrails that are thoughtful, that protect security, that uh, create a foundation based on trust and safety. The other is, uh, how do we move things a little bit faster? And so uh, I guess my, um, my response to that would be, I think we can move faster. I think we need to move faster in a way that recognizes the changing ecosystem. So when we are building policy, when we are building um, new perspectives from a government um, kind of guardrails, is that we're including voices, including more diverse voices that are now active in the ecosystem. So again, uh, to repeat myself a little bit, not just traditional financial institutions, but the role of the networks, organizations like MasterCard that are expanding how we do business and where we have capabilities to offer, and also including new voices uh, like fintech so that we're finding the right balance between innovation and safety and security. I think there's a way that we can do that uh, with a bit more pace. Great. Well, I want to move a little bit into a bit of a niche sector of, uh, of the future of the financial ecosystem, which is crypto slash uh, Web3 and that whole space ecosystem. Uh, MasterCard has made moves and announcements uh, within it. So I'd like to know what you think are the biggest factors that are shaping crypto and excuse me, decentralized finance uh, in Canada. And how you see Canada uh, fitting into that ecosystem and being able to innovate within it and compete or even lead within it? What are your views on the future of that space and our position within it? MasterCard is definitely expanding the adoption of Web3, a new iteration of the internet based on blockchain. We're bringing our payment network into Web3 and NFTs. And maybe just to pause there for a minute and make sure, uh, again, we clarify uh, another buzzword in the industry, but what are NFTs, right? NFTs are unique digital assets. You could say they're a form of cryptocurrency linked to blockchain that represent ownership of real world items. And so we believe that as NFT adoption increases, uh, the process of buying and selling NFTs needs to be easier and safer. And that is our sweet spot. For 50 years, we have been facilitating the buying and selling of goods in a safe and secure way using traditional, what people would call traditional payment methods, cards. But increasingly, those payment methods are changing. We talked about the real-time rail. Now, as we talked about um, cryptocurrency, when there is a platform or an ecosystem that enables uh, cryptocurrency to be um, bought and sold safely and securely, customers can get the things they want with less stress and less uncertainty. 
Um, and it means for creators, they can grow their potential customer base. So if we think about NFTs specifically, when NFTs can be purchased safely and securely, customers can buy the one, whatever NFTs they want on the marketplace of their choice. There's no need to buy crypto first. And I think there's still a lot of sensitivity and uncertainty about playing in the crypto space because it is not as familiar to consumers if we look through that lens, not as familiar to consumers as traditional currencies, the fiat currency, the, the dollar currency, the yen currency, the pound currency that they are used to every single day. And so if we can build our network capabilities uh, to enable NFTs to be sold and bought safely and security, securely, it means that consumers can buy what they want. And for NFT creators, it means that they can potentially grow their consumer base to millions of people all over the world without having to partner or uh, find different platforms on which to sell. And so ultimately what we are saying that we want to do is we want to use our network that exists today and expand its capabilities to be able to help um, consumers and uh, creators buy and sell uh, new technologies, in this case, NFTs in a safe and secure way. Excellent. And I don't think I'm going out on a limb when saying that Canada is a, is a strong player within the blockchain space, uh, within the crypto space. Uh, please disagree with me if, if, you, if you think so. Um, but um, what do you think are the biggest opportunities for Canada within the whole crypto slash Web3 space? And if I could put you on the spot, what do you think needs to be done for us to be able to seize them and put our mark on them? So I think, again, um, giving consumers and creators choice and access to um, safe and secure payments in the crypto space is probably uh, one of the foundational elements to making Canada sort of move forward uh, and, and be able to uh, advance. And that's exactly what we're hearing from consumers as well. We just did um, some research and our new payments index shows that over a third, 36%, of Canadian consumers agree that NFTs and digital assets could be good investments. Um, and that's an important word in there when they say could be good investments. So why are they not good investments today? They're not good investments today or perceived as not good investments today because there's A, a level of knowledge that still needs to be built, uh, B, a level of comfort around how to transact. And so that's part of what we're trying to do is build um, the ability to transact more easily. And three, a, a sense of safety and security so that when they have assets that they are interested in, when they have a place that they can transact, that they're doing so in a way that ensures their money and their goods will get to and from where they want to be, whether those are physical goods or in the case of NFT, digital goods. And I think that is the key, is trying to find ways to make the buying and selling of digital goods as easy, as seamless, as comfortable as we buy physical goods today. That's the transformation that is happening globally. Uh, and Canada certainly needs to uh, take part of that process as well. Let's speak about cybersecurity uh, a little bit, because I'm sure it's something that runs through absolutely everything that uh, MasterCard does, both externally and internally. Um, so I'd like to know from your vantage point, what you see is the intersection between cybersecurity, uh, AI, uh, the Internet of Things, especially when it comes to financial services and, and payments. 
And if you can look a bit forward, what you identify as the priorities in terms of innovation or problem solving uh, within that space that Canada really should be focused on? So this is a really critical question, Tim, because to your point, cybersecurity is now becoming the new lens through which um, virtually any company, technology, business, and increasingly consumers are looking through not just payments, but our daily lives. And what do I mean by that? If you think about um, what we do today, we're very comfortable as individuals um, and we're mindful about how we share our personal and our financial data with strangers, with other entities. We protect our passwords, we protect our phones, we protect our computers. But increasingly, we're also seeing more um, hidden, more Internet of Things, more devices that may be inadvertently hidden or that we're not aware how connected to the Internet they are. So stats that I think um, we should all be aware of. IoT Analytics says that there are more than 12 billion actively connected IoT devices in 2021 and predicts that there will be more than 27 billion by 2025. Uh, so as these numbers keep increasing, the security and identification challenges become paramount, right? To how, how do these devices actually interact and what are they doing with the data that they are harnessing and collecting? And this is true when it comes to payment transactions as well, right? So over the next few years, we see, to your point, wireless communications, artificial intelligence, robotics, digital technologies coming together. And it could make it not only possible, but in some cases preferable for some of these internet connected devices to initiate payments without any human intervention. Uh, and that's a good thing because again, it makes things easier uh, for our daily lives, but it does mean that we should be thoughtful around uh, in these machine to machine payments that are different from a traditional consumer to business payment, user journeys, data exchanges, they need to be just as reliable and secure. And so um, what I think that means is we need to be A, aware of how of where our data is and how it's being used. We need to be thoughtful and perhaps challenging companies on what are the data principles they have with respect to building new products, new solutions, um, and thinking about how do we how do we dispose of data once we're done with it? And so from a MasterCard perspective, one of the things that we're very cognizant of is while we're building technologies that we're very confident in, we do realize that there is strength in public-private partnerships in this particular space. And so that's why we have partnered with Toronto Metropolitan University, with the University of New Brunswick, uh, organizations that are very strong in the academic, if you will, side of cybersecurity research. And so when we think about what that means from an academic perspective and how you apply it to a very practical, not just business lens, but then extend it to what it means to consumers in their daily lives. We think that we can nurture and build a very safe infrastructure for tomorrow. And do you see any role for policy or industry associations in terms of focusing that energy towards a particular uh, solution or a particular pain point that Canada might be experiencing challenges with and has to be uh, cognizant of in terms of what it means for uh, the future of our financial services sector? Definitely. If you think about the, the role of MasterCard as a global technology company in the payment space, 
our foundation is standards, right? We are very focused on how data information payments are transferred and exchanged safely and securely. And that needs to be uh, in every local market um, that that foundation needs to be, have an overlay of what's appropriate uh, in, in any given country. And so we're very actively involved um, and interested in partnering, not only with government, but to your point, um, industry associations on how do we build a safe and secure um, cyber infrastructure for Canada. We've just opened our Global Intelligence Center for Cybersecurity in Vancouver, which is all around building global cybersecurity solutions that are leveraging Canadian talent and harnessing Canadian talent. Um, and I mention that because that is a really good example of um, public-private partnerships, but also working with industry associations and industry partners to make cybersecurity increasingly um, aware, increasingly um, a part of the lens in which all businesses look through how they do things. And this becomes important because what we're also seeing is cybersecurity threats are not industry-specific, right? And so uh, we need to make sure that uh, the challenge on cybersecurity, the challenge on um, accessing data information, when it's appropriate to be industry specific, it is. But when it cuts across industries, there's also forums for conversations on how do we make sure that, that those conversations are taking place and where there are standards that need to be built at a national, not an industry level, that that's also being done. Excellent. Thanks so much. Well, I, I want to close with a very quick uh, if possible, uh, call to action. I want to give you the opportunity to focus on something that you think is super important uh, and, and can make a difference in terms of ensuring that Canada continues to innovate and can become a global leader in the future of the financial services space. So if you had 10 or 20 seconds to address an entity or a person in, in Canada, whether it be in government or an industry or any other stakeholder group, that you think has the potential to, to move the dial on an, on an issue you think is important, who would you address and what would you urge him or her to do now? In this case, Tim, I would actually address the entire payments ecosystem um, and the players within traditional, new government. And the reason I say that is because as we see technology and innovation advancing, we see that roles will change, capabilities will change. And in order to make sure that we're ultimately building solutions that are best for Canada, we need to make sure that the ecosystem as a whole is open to two things. New conversations around partnerships, as opposed to staying in our traditional realm of how we have always worked together and across the ecosystem. And an openness to making sure that we're very clear on when are we talking about foundational elements around safety and security that are non-competitive versus actually competitive solutions. Because at the end of the day, we're all in this to do one thing first, to, for the benefit of Canadian consumers and businesses to be able to thrive. And we can step back from that step-by-step uh, -step with respect to what each of us can do individually and competitively to make that happen. But at the outset, we need to make sure that we have the right frame of mind, we have the right conversations, and we have an openness to new partnerships and new ways of working together. It's been the hallmark of the Canadian ecosystem, but we need to do things differently and more um, transparently in order to make sure that we're building the best solutions for the future. Excellent. It's a strong one. We'll, we'll get that out there for you. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate the conversation. It was super interesting. 
Thanks for joining us on the FutureEconomy.ca's podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss upcoming crucial conversations about our economic future. And please consider leaving a rating or review. Also, make sure to visit our website, thefutureeconomy.ca, for more in-depth content from the leaders shaping Canada's future economy. And sign up for our newsletter to be notified of new releases as soon as they're out. Finally, if you value what we do, tell a friend or two about us. We'd really appreciate the support. See you next time.